J W E N J H T Millville Atlantic City 97.3 ESPN. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios. Here's Mike Gill. Happy Hour Friday starts now. This is the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN, the free mobile app, 97.3ESPN.com. I'm your host, Mike Gill. That's Hunter Brody. Josh Henning producing today's show. You out there, what's up? Now, I had an early start today. Two cup of coffees by the 8.30 hour. Wow. I was locked and loaded, ready to go. Wow. I think I'll be uh, fading out a little bit by now. I was fading on that daily drive show. I was not didn't have a lot of energy on the daily drive show today. I don't see uh, extra K cup today. Oh whoa! Hold on a second. There's two. I've had two all week. Holiday blend. Oh, I only recognize one all week. You've had two all week. Well, normally the first one's probably gone by the time you get here. Okay. And then I haven't had. I already had two before I got here. I didn't want to dive into a third. Now, I do need to bring something up with these two coffees that you had because you tweeted them out at me, which I appreciate. I'm always good for a nice picture of coffee on Twitter. But one cup, your first cup, you went blue West Virginia mug or what? That was actually the second. Okay. Yeah. Regardless of which one it was, you used two separate mugs for your two cups of coffee this morning. That's a little odd to me. Well, the first one, after I was done... I put it in the dishwasher. Thinking that you were out of the well, coffee Well, normally I don't mindset. drink a second cup of coffee that quickly, but I was like, about five minutes later, I felt to myself, you know what? That was a really good cup. I want to get another. So you're anti-go back into the dishwasher? Not anti. I just, you know, went with the second mug. After I took the picture, I said, I told you the other day that I have a couple mugs that are like in my mix, even though there's like 15 mugs to pick from. There's only like a handful that are in the actual rotation. I probably would have went back in just because that day I already have a good vibe with that specific mug. And that tells a lot for me. That starts my day. That is what tells me if I'm going to have a good day or not. So when I have that good handle and that good feel of that first coffee mug with that first cup, I got to go back into that dishwasher then. Yeah, well, you know, it's the white one is my favorite mug. Okay, that is that's your go-to then. That's my number 1. Definitely my number 1 starter. The blue one, he's my, you know, he's probably my number two. And then after that, I mean, I have a, uh, I actually have the stainless steel West Virginia Yeti as well. But I go mug when I'm at home, typically. I like the mug, too. The only thing that sucks, though, is sometimes, because I like to enjoy my coffee. You're a quick drink, quick, quick drinker. I am. I like to let mine sit, watch some TV, relax with it, so it gets cold at a certain point when I go mug at home. Then I have to microwave it, which I'm okay with, but it's not ideal. Yeah, I don't know. I like uh, I like to, to get – see, I don't want to have to get up, put it in the microwave, all that stuff. So I just, you know, I drink it quick. That's what it is. Have you tried the coffee we got from an outstanding did. listener? Yeah, there was a nice gentleman, Jim Thompson, I believe uh, was his name. He dropped off the uh, Komodo Dragon. It looks unbelievable. Now, here's the problem I have with the Komodo Dragon. I don't have the proper machine to actually make the Komodo Dragon because it is 
the beans that are already, uh, you know, it's like the coffee grounds. Well, what you need to do is this weekend, maybe get yourself a nice coffee pot. They're not too expensive. No, right. I, I just don't have one. I only have a K-cup display. Dispenser, right? Looks and like apparently I have an espresso machine too. Still and haven't, still haven't done oh, that. It's in the out. garage. So you got some weekend stuff to do. You got to go get a real coffee machine, and then you go get this out of the garage. Yeah. So yeah, that was pretty cool that uh, we got the uh, Komodo dragon. Sounds pretty well, that aggressive. Sounds pretty good. Yeah, it does. It sounds like a brick would end up coming out of you. Yeah, you take Whoa. one sip, you start shaking. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that. You know, got to get me uh, get a little whoosh. Looking forward to the game this weekend. I was going to say you can have a nice cup of Komodo Dragon right before the Eagles. Oh game. yeah, you know, nothing better that I miss is a Sunday with the paper. You're a little young for the paper. I on thought a Sunday. you were going to say Sunday one o'clock because it feels like it's been forever. All right, the whole like, paper on Sunday it. newspaper. Coffee. I can hear, I can see like Nick Cuba over at the press or Mark Melhorn if they're listening. Like, you can still get the paper. I could, but unfortunately, it's like not in the routine. Like, you used to get that paper on a Sunday, get a little ink all over your fingers, and just do the deep dive. Well, here's the problem with the paper. So, Billy Schwime is a big paper guy. He comes in with his newspaper clippings on Sunday mornings for the locker room and Saturday, of course. But he's trying to get updated, let's say, Philly stats, for example. I got mine on Google right in front of me that's all updated. He's a day behind. He's like, oh, he's hitting 257. I'm like, hey, Billy, no, no, no. He's hitting 260 now. He's a little behind on the stats. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, look, there's... Uh uh, staffing problems and all that kind of stuff where they got the deadlines are a lot earlier now, all that stuff. Back in the day, you used to get that paper, and it was gospel. And on Sunday, I mean, you went through the deep dive. You went through every page of that thing, getting ready for the Sunday football game. There's no better pairing on a Sunday than the newspaper, the Sunday paper, and the coffee mug. They are, without a doubt, an unbeatable duo. I'll give you one. The 97.3 ESPN mobile app to read some articles with some nice cup of coffee. It is, but I mean the whole like impersonability of sitting there with your phone in your hand. I do agree with that because when I read some articles and things, I, I do think to myself, while this is what it is nowadays, you scroll on the app, it's not the same as having a physical copy. No, exactly. Like if you're sitting there and the person could be just reading a nice news article on their phone. And you're in the same room. You just feel that that person is totally uninterested in anything you had to say. Not the same if they have the newspaper in their hand, even though they're doing the same thing. Not necessarily true. I'm picturing maybe Archie Bunker in his chair right now with the newspaper covering his face. Wife tries to speak, and it looks like he's not even paying attention. No? I mean, uh, you feel like if someone's reading the newspaper and they have it in their hand that there's going to be some conversation based on an article that you're reading. That's it true. It feels that the person reading the article off their phone isn't as apt to share that information with you for whatever reason. Well, you also probably sense that maybe they're texting or they're doing something else where they don't care what you have to say whatsoever. I do understand that when you see someone diving into the phone and you're speaking, it's like that person's not even listening to one word you're saying. Yeah, see, I'm a good multitasker, so I can, like, pay attention. But it's still the appearance of, like, that you're not paying attention. There are certain people, they have that phone, whatever's going on around them. I mean, you could have a marching band play through the living room or wherever, and you're not getting any reaction. I do know what you Are you, you that mean. guy? or 
I'm somewhere in between. There are moments where, but I'll respectfully say like, hey, give me two minutes. Let me finish this up and then I'm all yours. I'll do something like that. If I'm really diving into an email or something, wow. it's like, hey, give me two seconds. I'll put it down. Then I'm all yours. Boom. You don't, you don't like that approach. I do. I mean, I just don't think it would be uh, welcomed with the, with a great answer. That's all. Sometimes it's not. You got to have a pretty understanding <laughs> person. I guess. Like to me, I don't care. It's just like, you know. Depends what we're talking about, where we're at, atmosphere. A lot I, of do a lot, I do do a lot of reading. Like I like I update like you have uh, you don't have uh, you have an iPhone I do yeah see on the the Androids it has that Google Discover when you hit the Discover button and it filters stories to you based on your like searching habits okay so it basically is just a whole page of things that you have interest in stuff that you have searched that it kind of follows like your searching habits so it'll put stories so. You know, I read through them, and they update them every, like, I don't know, five minutes. I mean, there's just constantly updating that whole, like, page. It's called Discover. And I read through that a lot because I find that there's a lot of uh, information on there. You'll go there over news and actually watch Well, that's watching, news. No, physically, like, watching the news. Well, you go, I want to read this this morning instead of maybe turning the news on. Uh, I'll do a little bit of both. A little combination. You know, like... I like to turn the TV on in the morning, throw the news on or whatever, sports center, yada yada. My girl will sit there in the in the in quiet. You know what I've been doing lately and I feel you're going to probably judge me, although this might not shock you. I've been watching uh <laughs> Phillies games. I've been watching 2020 Phillies games. Why? They weren't fun then. Nope. They can't be fun now. Nope, they're not. It's dreadful. But I picked the ones where it's like Bryce Harper has a big game. He Why would a you walk do that? Off. I just missed the Phillies baseball. I mean, there's so many other things to consume. You're right. The other day, I went a little Flyers. My little Flyers 2020 action before the bubble where there was actually an atmosphere involved. I watched a little Flyers. Kevin Hayes scored a shorthanded goal. How about that? I would never make that choice. I know that. You just went through a whole pandemic where they offered you old games. Yep, and I watched it then, too, remember? <laughs> you called me an idiot. You said, wait a second, you watched the whole... I watched the entire Eagles season from a year wow. ago. I want to know how many people out there in the morning are saying, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to fire up an old Phil's game. Well, here's the... <laughs> Probably zero. Here's the thing. Sports Center. I maybe seen it already once that morning. Not a big, like, news guy, politics guy. I'll, I'll put that away for the mornings. So what am I going to do? I'll watch Bryce Harper go three for four and watch the bullpen come in. It's good There's times. a lot of good options, though. You got the old Seinfelds are running. I saw today. I mean, I said to my girl, I said, you know, they're still running Charmed. They are? On TNT. If you go on TNT, it runs all morning. On TV land, they give you King of Queens sometimes. That's a nice item. A much better choice is to go to an old show than an old baseball game. That's not even that old. It's from 2020. I can almost understand if you're like, I went to the... You know what I want to do? This is what you should do. All right? This is what you should do. You're not old enough to live the 93 Philly season. That's true. You should really... Go through that season, because it was a blast. The only thing that I might have a little trouble with is, sometimes I do go back to older games, and the standard def is almost so hard to watch. I've done it, though. I've, I went back to some 90s hockey, 90s flyers. I've tried it. After a while, though, it's like, I, I need something to intensify. I'm waiting for it to kick in, as if it's buffering, and I'm waiting. I'm like, no, this is really it. So it's a little tough, but I'm not against it. You should either, okay, if you could go back, that's a good question. If you could go back... And relive one season in time. He's, these are the ones, obviously. Go back and watch the 93 Philly season. Full season, not just playoff run? No, no, the whole season. Okay. Because 
it was remarkable. Like, they got off to, like, this ridiculous start. And you're like, because the Phillies hadn't been good in anybody's lifetime. Like, the last time they were good was 90, it was 83. So you're looking at 10 years of futility. And in 93, uh, in 92, they weren't any good either. So there was no anticipation that the 93 Phillies were going to do anything. And all of a sudden, they just blasted out of the gates. And you were like, what the heck is going on here? And it was just a fun, wild ride. I wouldn't say... I mean, you could go back and watch the 2006ers team because they got off to like a 13 and 0 start, and the same situation. You were kind of like, "Wow, this team's all the, like they had got Iverson, they weren't good, and then all of a sudden they got Iverson and they got knocked down the playoffs, and they finally won a playoff series uh, against the Pacers, and then boom, they're like 13 and 0, and then boom." But if you never saw that playoff run, that 2000 team's playoff run. Game seven against the Raptors, game seven against the Bucks. Then they go, you know, I mean, it was like a wild playoff. Every night of the week, it was like every other night, boom, 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 boom. Tremendous playoff series in that. So that would be one to go back. And obviously the T.O. year. You skipped over one. How about the 2000, were we going to go 2010? Flyers get to the Stanley Cup Finals. Well, you don't want to watch that regular season. That's the problem. It didn't get juicy until the playoff run, but that playoff yeah. run was insane. Yeah, that would be a good one to go back and check out. Yeah, a little Danny Briere, mm. Mr. Playoffs. <laughs> Fire me up for some puck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this guy says, I think the name of this show should be Coffee Time with Mike and Broads instead of the Sports Bash. Yeah, we could do that. Those, do a little, uh, little morning time on the weekends. We just hang out on uh, Twitter or something live. How about this gentleman? It says, K-Cups have a reusable filter where you can use coffee grinds. Oh, you might be able to, because all the, what's in the K-Cup is coffee grinds. Mm-hmm. So there probably are K-Cups where you can open it, pour what you want in there, and then reuse the K-Cup. Wait, so once I'm done with this K-Cup. Well, I don't know if those are specifically the disposable one. Looks like Josh has some uh, information here when it comes to this. That's disappointing because I was excited for about 30 seconds there. <laughs> so I know someone who used to have this. So it's like a plastic-looking K-Cup, but they like you can refill it with your own coffee grinds. And you just put it in the K-Cup, and it works the same way. And all you got to do is empty it out and you know kind of brush it out, and then you put more coffee in it. So they sell it like that? Yes. yes. It's not like you buy a K-Cup that had cup was already filled. Right. This yeah. is one that's known to be you put your own in there and it's reusable. Oh, so you just scoop it into the bag. Yeah. Oh. I never knew that, but I'm not surprised that they have that. That's a home run. I know, right? Think about that idea. Keith, you get big points today. That was the, the probably board. the best text we've ever had, maybe. Unbelievable. That's no knock on any other text that we have, but that's pretty impressive. I want someone to try and top that today. Try to, please. Not going to. I know you won't. He just made my whole day. I can't wait till this show's over. I'm running right to the store to get that damn piece. Like, that's all I'm thinking about now. How are we going to do the show? going to be tough. It really is. Poll question. How are you feeling about the Eagles-Giants game at 973-ESPN? Eagles win? Eagles win and cover. Giants win. At 973 ESPN. Now, I'm not going to give, we're not going to give our answer to that question until later on in the show. But when we give our score and pick for the game, we will give the results, our, our pick, but we'll update the results throughout the day. How you feeling about this game? Eagles win. Eagles win and cover. Giants win. 
Are you, you surprised by the, the first instant results? I haven't seen them yet. Okay. Because I'm not on that account. I'm on my own account. So I will vote. All right? Yep. I will vote here and see what it says. Wow. All right. 61% say Eagles win. 23% say Eagles win in cover. 15% say Giants win. I think that's going to be moving all throughout the day today. I wonder how many people picking Giants are Giants fans or Eagles fans that are not feeling confident. Because there's probably a lot of Giants fans in the area that are rooting sure. for their team. Well, we win. had five the other day that we asked about what uh, rivalry's biggest. They were all your friends. You said, they all said Cowboys. I had my group of Giant friends, and they all said Eagles. Well, the one texter that I got responded with, it is the Cowboys now, but at one point it was heavy Eagles. It has recently switched for him. So at one point it was Eagles. It was Birds. It was How would that switch? I don't know. I, I mean, don't know. What have the Cowboys done that would make that switch? You would think that the Eagles, they won the Super Bowl. They've been the division champion. They've been to the playoffs. I mean, you would think that, that if anything, it would switch to the Eagles or stay. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. I don't know. Some people just have different feels when it comes to, you know, they get in their feelings when it comes to these games, and then they they change emotionally when watching the Sunday events. I, I thought about, you know, so a couple things about this game that just stick out to me right now. One, the Eagles coming off of a bye. What does that mean for me? Now, the Eagles' strength is their defensive line. They're an older defensive line. Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham. You know, these are some veteran players. Getting that bye week, this should be one of the best games that those guys have. The Eagles need to dominate this game up front. There should be unequivocally a check mark in the Eagles winning the game up front with their defensive line. Do you want some stats? Sure. Okay. Doug Peterson coming off of a bye. One and three. One and three. Now, He's 5-0 and on Thursday night football. So that means when it comes to short rest, he does a great job with the game plan. When it comes to having extra time, he doesn't do well. That's just really weird to see. Especially when you are part of the Andy Reid tree who did very well in that situation. Right. You would think that you have all this time to game plan for your opponent. You come together with your coaching staff, especially this season, because it's not like you can go anywhere when it comes to, you know, the COVID-19 situation and all. So why, when you have more time to prepare, do you not get better results? I don't know, but uh, this is the game where I feel your biggest strength, your defensive line, this should be a game where they play one of their best games. They should be healthy, fresh, coming off of a bye. And look, the Giants line is still a big problem for them. It's not as bad as it's been in years past. I think they're going to get Hernandez back, which is nice. He's a very scrappy player up front. I think Will Hernandez definitely is uh, a nice piece at the uh, at the guard position for the Giants. But uh, for the most part, their offensive line still is a big problem. Andrew Thomas, Will Hernandez, Pulley, um, they are not a good offensive front. And the Eagles should do a they need I, I should take that back they need to do a better job this time against Daniel uh, against uh, the Giants offensive line than they did the last game Daniel Jones can turn the football over we know that now so can Carson Wentz so I know saying turnovers is a big 
key component every game. Every game you can say trenches and turnover battle, but this one I feel that conversation intensifies because, look, Carson Wentz has thrown the rock in bad situations all season long. He's known to fumble. That's something he does even when he's not throwing interceptions. And Daniel Jones also turns it over. So I feel that conversation should intensify. And that starts with the D-line getting pressure. Right. No, I mean, if you're looking at different areas, okay, where are some battles? And we'll talk to Casey Joyner about this. But I think when I ask him, offensive line for the Giants against a defensive front for the Eagles, he's going to put a big, fat check mark in the Eagles column. And they have to. Like, when we talk about the Eagles' defense and how they win football games, it's because they dominate up front. That has to be the reason they win a football game. It's because their defensive line simply was too much for the Giants to handle. And when you have a guy like Daniel Jones, it has to be too much. Forcing him into mistakes is the key to winning this game, no doubt. And I know it's like they're 2-7. and seven. Why is this such a big deal? They play hard. They've been in games. They're getting a little bit of confidence. They feel like they should have beat Tom Brady and the Bucks. They feel like they should have beat the Eagles. They finally get that win last week. They get a good taste in their mouth. Now they want more. You've got to do it early and hit Jones and make him a little, little gun-shy early in this contest. So I feel like the Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Derek Barnett, that crew up front, they are the key to this game. Absolutely. And then if we're going to be very heavy on the defensive line, let's take a step back and look at it from a broader angle. When you just say the word trenches, you might have the best version of your offensive line that you have had all season long. So the trenches as a whole, that's an area where this team, the Eagles, can succeed on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, the Eagles offensive line. Now, Doug spoke today. Uh, he kind of... You know, uh, he hinted that Sayamala may play. He wasn't very clear on that. Now, Lane Johnson came out and said that he was going to try to play. So it sounds like he's going to play on Sunday. So you would have, because uh, Peterson said that, you know, limited can be a little misleading. He's in a good spot. He said, I'm optimistic that he's good uh, to go for Sunday. For Isaac Sayamala, he wasn't as clear. Um, if they have him back, though, that's your best offensive line that you had really since last football season. I think you asked a great question to Adam Kaplan yesterday on Football at Four. Let's say, because he, he kind of alluded that Lane Johnson would be questionable because maybe they give him an extra week when it comes to that ankle for more of a long-term effect that would be beneficial. Who plays right tackle? Would it be Driscoll or would it be Maialata? That's an interesting question. Yeah, and I don't think that uh, Adam knew the answer to that question. I mean, they uh, he said they were going to do some more research and uh, Football at Four today will ask Jeff Mosher, to see if that has come to light. If Lane Johnson could not play, who's ahead on the depth chart, Driscoll or Maialata? Because Maialata played last week, but that's because Driscoll was hurt. How would you feel? Of, uh, who would you choose? If you were the head coach, you had to make that decision, would you put Maialata at right tackle? I feel like I want to keep, if I'm the Eagles coaching staff, don't I want to see more of Maialata? Yes. And see if he's something? Yes. But Jack Driscoll's this rookie who you probably didn't anticipate playing much. And when he did, he's been pretty solid. He's been okay. So, like, yeah, but what I do think you want him to grow? I think that's who they think he is. Just give me a solid effort guy. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, not the most athletic guy. Works really hard. Really good technique. Not great. Just gives me a good effort. So he would be, they might view him at his best as that that, oper, that yeah. guy who gets an opportunity when someone goes down. Yep. And that, that Maialata, they're looking at as, hmm, I wonder if this guy could be a starting 10-year player in this league. That's I fair. told you, though, I'm not joking when I say this. 
When I got my Alada, if I'm the Eagles, and I took a look at this man, I mean, have you ever seen? I, I've stood next to Jordan Maialata before. He's a massive, massive human being. He is also explosively quick. I would have played the man at defensive tackle. I really would have. The guy's like six foot seven, three hundred and sixty pounds, but he he's got explosion like a tight end. I literally would have said. We're lining you up in a three-point stance at defensive tackle. Just get upfield and rush the passer. Like I would have said from Jump Street, the first day I got my hands on this guy, if I was a defensive end coach, line coach, I would have said, give me that guy. I'm going to put him in there and just disrupt. Do you think there was a reason why they went with offensive line, though? Did they see something that we're not where it's like, hold on a second, maybe offensive line's better than putting him on the D-line? It's D a line. good question. Because you would imagine with this identity defensively, when you look at my lot of and knowing where the defensive line stands with this is how we win football games, they would probably question, hey, can this guy work on the D-line? Yeah, I wonder what, like they said, okay, 6'8", 350 pounds. It's he's a, a huge He's human. a left tackle. Like, that's, I mean, because the question is, you had Jason Peters, and then you drafted Dillard. So did you just, like, figure, like, ah, he isn't what he is or what we thought he was? Like, you draft a guy with that size – it's because you think like you found something that nobody else knew about. Like, was anybody else drafting that guy? You know what I mean? Yeah, probably not. No, so it's like, what made them project him to be a left tackle when they already had a left tackle and then drafted another left tackle? Well, we know Stoutland does a hell of a job with these players. Maybe he had a very vocal voice like, hold on, let me get my hands on this guy. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm sure the defensive line coach might have said, let me get my hands on this guy. Maybe they flipped the coin. Now, this email uh, text message from Keith, who said, you're welcome for the K-Cup filter by multiple. It says, I live in Cape May, but I'm working in Edison, New Jersey today. And all the Giant fans up here sound very confident Whoa. that they are going to win. How about that? Vote in our poll right now at 973 ESPN. How are you feeling about the game? Eagles win. Eagles win in cover. Giants win. At 973 ESPN, Sal Pal Friday, Chad Millman, Jeff Mosher, Jordan Ronan gives us the outside view. We'll ask him how confident are the Giants. Remember last time we talked to Jordan, he seemed like it was like the dumpster fire of all dumpster fires. I'm wondering if his rhetoric has changed. PT, happy hour Friday. Casey Joyner, one thought every game tonight. Turn it on. Leave it on. The Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. All right, bottom of the hour, Sports Bash 97.3 ESPN on a Friday edition. It's brought to you by Recovery Centers of America, Drug and Alcohol Addiction Treatment Centers located in Mays Landing, New Jersey, and Devon, PA. I'm Mike Gill. That's Hunter Brody at Mike Gill Show at Broads81. Follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter poll question today, ah, a little movement in there. How do you feel about this Eagles-Giants game? Eagles win. Eagles win and cover. Giants win. Giants are a uh, sneaky little team all of a sudden. You know, if they had Saquon Barkley, you'd probably feel a way lot different about this game. Now, Devonta Freeman out for the game. He just got placed in the IR, so he's going to be out for the next couple of weeks with that ankle injury. So that's another weapon that they're down. You know, that's the one problem with this team. The quarterback is not very – he doesn't make a lot of plays. Daniel Jones doesn't scare me all that much. You? 
Not really, no. I mean, he does have some moments, some plays here and there, but it's not consistent enough for him to really scare you. You think about the weapons that he will have. Darius Slayton, he can make plays, although Darius Slay being, you know, with the Eagles' defense is definitely huge, and Sterling Shepard can make some plays here and there. I wonder what they're going to do with Evan Ingram. You know, we talked about this a little bit as well with Adam Kaplan yesterday on Football at Four, and he mentioned Singleton and Edwards, and I threw out, hey, how about Will Parks? And he mentioned how the, the Eagles need to do a little bit of self-scouting over the bye week and maybe add some versatility to what Will Parks can bring defensively. Yeah, it's almost like they don't know what to do with him yet. They don't know. He's, he's got so much versatility, they don't know where to kind of, how to utilize him. Well, you would think covering the tight ends is something that you can benefit with him. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be this elite stopper by any means, but considering the alternatives, there's an opportunity for him to maybe match up against the tight end. In this particular game, too, where Ingram is a guy who, you know, he's good, he's not special, but it's a spot where it's one of their – they don't have that guy. Like, they don't have the one guy that's, like, the guy. So it's like they can spread the ball around a little bit. So you want to have a guy – uh, that feels pretty comfortable in that spot instead of changing guys constantly. Get guys who feel on a defensive day against a giant team that's limited. Get your guys playing in a position where they feel comfortable instead of changing the the um, terminology, moving them all around. Get them comfortable against a team that's a little limited. Do you think we see an 80-yard Daniel Jones run? <laughs> Jeez, that was horrendous, horrendous. I remember Roby Coleman in that play. Every time I see that play, I think about Roby Coleman's effort there. Wow. I'm very underwhelmed with what he has brought to the table to this point. I know he went from slot, which is where he should be, to playing outside because Avante Maddox was hurt. But, you know, we talked about this before at one point. You know, his role, we talked about him being maybe the steal when it comes to bringing a guy in, and he has been underwhelming. He has been, and I do think that that fact that he's been, and this is just what I'm saying right now, instead of moving guys, you know, hey, this play you're covering the tight end. On this play, you're going to be in the slot. On this play, you're going to be playing safety deep. No, get a guy, uh, get the guy feeling comfortable about where he's playing. Like, have him know what his game plan is. Roby Coleman, you're covering the slot, man. You're going to be in the slot. He's been moving all over the place, and I think uh, he has been exposed as you're probably a slot man. I want to see how Avante Maddox does, though. You know, that's one big part of this defense is I'm really how interested. he plays other than Darius Slay on the other side. I'm really interested in how the linebackers play. Do they continue to evolve and keep getting better? Because the linebackers have been such a problem, and then they've quietly not been as big of a problem. So I want to see if they keep getting better at that position. And specifically, Edwards, who, you know, look, Edwards, one of the problems with Edwards coming out of college, he was a stat machine, he was a tackling machine, but Edwards is more of your classic linebacker. He doesn't run all that well, but he's one of those guys that just knows how to play the game. And I'm wondering if, like, as he's gotten it, uh, gotten more reps, as he just, you know, gotten more comfortable and better at this level. Like, I do want to find out more about these two linebackers because – um, Doug was asked today about, hey, do you, how do you feeling that you're finally getting uh, you know, healthy? And he's like, well, we're not all the way there yet. And he mentioned Nate Geary. And I'm just like, can these two guys, Singleton and Edwards, play Geary out of the lineup? Now, did Doug have to bring him up? Well, he brought up – who did he bring up? He bring up Nate Geary, who's another guy who – 
he kind of threw Isaac Sayamala in there. That's why I'm not sure if we'll see Sayamala play on Saturday, uh, Sunday or not. That was a little bit of a red flag for me for Isaac. I thought there was one other guy. Who else is somebody? Um, Zach Ertz. Now, see, this is what bothers me about Doug Peterson. And, and look, I understand and I'm acknowledging that you don't win football games in the press conferences, right? So what matters is winning football games, losing football games. That's what you really need to discuss when it comes to these head coaches. But there's no doubt that Doug Peterson struggles in this area. When you talk about getting healthier and you see what you have been getting back this week, for him to stand up there and say, you know, hey, we're not getting, we're not all the way back yet, Nate Gary. Why would you even go down that road? Like, why well, would it wasn't you Nate even Gary bring that first. up? But, but his name shouldn't have even been discussed, in my opinion. This guy got targeted so heavily, 23 for 23. Opponents were against him, targeting him over and over again. He shouldn't even be in your damn mind. You know? Like, to me, I, it might be silly. It might not bother other people. Maybe I'm overreacting. But there's no reason to even say... Hey, we're not healthy yet. We're still missing Nate Gary. Come on, dog. Come on. Well, it's a good point. I mean, it is kind of like, but he, he lumped them in with a group of guys that were all out. It wasn't like he was, but right. It could have been, hey, we, we still don't have Zach back, and we're hoping to have Isaac back. You know, he mentioned Nate Gary, and I'm thinking, but that's what opened my eyes. I was like, man. Are they still really looking at Nate Gary as a better option than these two guys? It would be a horrendous decision to think about Nate Gary being back. Well, it would be highly disheartening to think that they think that Gary is better than what these two guys are. And I'm not saying these two guys are great, so don't put those words in my mouth. But I don't think they've been horrible. I don't think teams have targeted them. I don't think teams have said, hey, let's go find Alex Singleton and, and go after him, or let's go right after TJ Edwards. I don't think teams have put in their game plan, hey, they got a guy 49, where's he at? No, these guys have at least held their own. And, yeah, are they the best? Not necessarily, but they certainly, the other teams not game planning to find them. That's a big difference. Exactly. It's not to the same intensity. And you mentioned TJ Edwards. You're right. He's not this, when you think of the new NFL, it's that safety slash linebacker type role, someone who can definitely go out there and, and be more of a coverage linebacker. He's not that, but he does have that linebacker instinct. Like, he goes out there and just plays the game hard and understands the field from a linebacker position that definitely still has value, even if it's not where the NFL is trending, per se. All right, I got some numbers for you. Okay. All right. The Eagles enter the game. Now, I don't know who puts these FBI numbers together, but they enter the game with a 78% chance of winning the NFC East. If they win, that FPI number goes to 86%. A loss drops it to 64%. So a loss in this game, and they still have probably the best chance to win the NFC East. Now, the Giants have a 6% chance currently. If they win, their odds go up to 15%. So it kind of shows you how important this game is for the Eagles, where if they win this game, their chances go up to almost 90% in terms of how many games you have left and what's left on your schedule. Like, getting this win is almost like ticket stamped, here you go, free pass, 
I don't want to be too harsh and make it seem like out-of-division games don't matter, but if you just look at these division games based off of the situation this NFC East is in, all of these division games are must-win football games. The other ones, sadly, based off of how pathetic this division is, they don't have as much of an impact. I had this, like, aha moment last night. Okay. And this morning, listening to Miles Sanders talk. Miles Sanders kind of gave me this feeling of, like, something good is about to happen in the second half of this year. Like, things are supposed... Things are going to get back to normal. Things are going to feel better. Things are going to get right. Was it one specific quote, or is all-around tone was what made you feel this way? Uh, it was a little bit of both. I mean, just the way that he kind of exuded this confidence. But he basically was like, look, we're getting healthier, and it's time to start stacking wins. Hmm. And I was like, you know what? Maybe if they have that kind of confidence inside that building right now that, hey, I'm coming back. He's coming back. I'm ready to stack these wins is what he said. I wonder when it comes to the game plan of this with Doug Peterson, knowing it's the Giants, and I am heavily saying it's the Giants, and the reason why I'm mentioning this is because they're going up against New York. How much of Boston Scott will we see? Just because he historically has had well, hell of games against this team. That's true. And I talked about this the other day. I feel like Doug's very good at calling plays for, for Boston Scott when he's solo, but he hasn't really got a grasp of how to use him in, in, in as a bit player. And that's a problem, considering that's going to be his role here under Miles Sanders. Absolutely. And another question about how can they – do they have to change Miles Sanders' role? Can they count on him to be a guy to have as big a role as they wanted him to have? He's constantly getting banged up. That's always been my concern with him is fatigue, conditioning, getting hurt, lingering issues. We want him to be this three-down back. Is he ready yet to be that three-down back? So far, he's shown that he's not. He just can't stay healthy, not durable enough. But I wonder if Doug is struggling calling plays and how, you know, you have uh, Miles Sanders and you don't want to take Miles Sanders off the field all that much because you have Miles Sanders and he's a tremendous um, playmaker. But then that's you're kind of force feeding Boston Scott, and like it's like you're trying to force ways to get him involved when Miles Sanders is there, and it's limiting what he does well. You said he's a tremendous playmaker, and you're not wrong, but we viewed him as the best playmaker on the team heading into the season, which he has Probably that skill set. still is, though. No, I'm saying he is. Talk about Miles. Yeah, Miles Sanders. He is, no doubt about it. But then we keep going back to you know him not being available, him having these injuries, the fatigue, this. We Even when he is there, though, is he giving you what you expected when we talked about him earlier in the season, or are you underwhelmed from a individual standpoint when he is available? You're you, talking about Miles. Yeah, you specifically. How do you feel when he is available, uh, when he is giving you what he can? Is that enough for you, or are you underwhelmed? He's He's been productive. But not in the way that I thought he would be productive. Like, I think his production is in different ways that I viewed it. He's averaging six yards a carry. He just doesn't get all that many carries. I don't think he catches the ball enough out of the backfield. I think they can utilize both him and Boston Scott more out of the backfield. One problem is I don't think Carson Wentz is very good at throwing in the ball out of the backfield for whatever reason. Sanders and Wentz don't seem to be on the same page at, thro at, at, at connecting 
when he comes swinging out of the backfield because that play seemingly is open for them. So he's been productive, but not in the way I think that they could. I think they can get more from Sanders and use him better. I agree with you, especially in the passing game. But you're right; it does come down to connecting when the quarterback is missing him at times. You need to be better and hit him in the area so he can go in stride. I will say though, the 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 area where I am most intrigued with Miles Sanders is. And not that this is insanely shocking, but you have seen it more as of late than you have earlier throughout his career, is that home run hitting ability of 70-yard touchdown run, 70-yard run, like those explosive big-time home run plays. You've seen that a couple times now recently, and it's starting to become more consistent, it seems. I think they can get not 70-plusers, but I think they can get a lot more big runs if they just uh, commit to the run. That's the problem. You're not having him get as many touches as he probably can, which limits how much he can do that. Sal Powell in 15 minutes. Sports Bash brought to you by Matt Blatt Kia. They want to get you approved today. Matt Blatt, 6211 Black Horse Pike, Egg Harbor Township. It's a Sal Powell Friday. Chad Millman at 320 today. We'll take a look at the lines for the Sunday games. Plus, happy hour Friday with the PT. ESPN FM. Tendle the top of the hour, five rewind. It was a good game for a little while last night and then kind of got away from the Titans. Colts win it. First place. uh, First place Colts. Yeah, that was a fun game. I enjoyed that one. How'd you think you did? I was doing all right for a while except for the Titans part. You did all right. You won two of the five. Jonathan Taylor did not get a touchdown. Barely touched the ball. Yeah, I know. The under for Ryan Tannehill, you got correct. It was set at 243.5. He only had 147 passing. I know. There was one point in the third quarter he had 99 yards. Henry, 103-yard night rushing. The over hit, you were correct there. The over hit in the, in the points, it was set at 48.5. I thought it was going to be the under, too. Block punt for a touchdown. Crazy. The special teams definitely hurt Tennessee big time. Big time. Huge. And then you were wrong with the actual pick of the game. Of course, the Colts got the victory. That's a big win for them. 34-17. to Huge win. They're both 6-3 and three right now. Colts in first place. Yep. Just like that. They play again in like, uh, what, 20 days, 17 days, something like that. I saw your tweet last night about Frank Reich and being a good backup quarterback. Well, did you hear what Aikman said? Yes, I did. He said, oh, there's no question he's the best backup quarterback. I said, what did he ever win other than, you know, he won a big playoff game coming from behind. But that's really the only game that Reich has on his resume that's like memorably stands out. So if you want me to give Foles credit for something, you could say, arguably, he's the best backup quarterback. Now, somebody tweeted at me and said, how'd you forget your boy Jeff Hostetler? How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, he did win a Super Bowl. And then, see, Hostetler, not only did he win the Super Bowl with the Giants, after he won that Super Bowl with the Giants, he actually, unlike Foles, had a nice career as a starting quarterback. So he went over to the Raiders and actually, but that's different. The, the conversation was about who is the best backup quarterback. Right, so you can't judge them from a starter role, but I do feel that that plays a role in the conversation, no? Because you were a you were so good as a backup that you actually succeeded as a starter, or does that change the rules? I can see both sides to this. 
Well, he I mean, look, he played 152 games in his career. He started 83. So the back end of his career, he was essentially a starter. I mean, after that giant Super Bowl, he went to the Raiders and became their starting quarterback for like three or four years out there. But there's two ways that you can view this for the conversation of who's the best backup ever. You can only look at their backup stats and what they did, or you can value that they did so well as a backup that they earned a starting job, and then they succeeded well, as a starter. Well, to be fair, to, Nick a, to Foles, a degree, to Nick a degree. Foles has started a lot of games in his career, too. I mean, he has played 65 games. He started 54. But is this post the moment? So the moment is winning the Super Bowl. When we value well, no, them a lot as of the his best starts were pre-Super Bowl. Right, that's my point. But he has started post I mean, he started in Jacksonville, and he started now in Chicago. But when we have the best backup ever conversation, do you? does the clock not start until you become that best backup? Well, he was a backup in Kansas City. People don't remember. He was with the Chiefs for a year. He was the backup there. And then he was the backup. Like, he started out as a backup. He was the backup to Vic, and then Vic got hurt, and that's when he came in and went crazy, 27-2. and two. There's just so, so many layers. Year, essentially, he was the backup. He went 27-2 and two as the backup. There's so many layers. You got pre-the moment. You got post-the moment. And that all plays a role. It's a tough conversation to have here. Now, here's the thing with Foles. He's played 65 games. He started 54 his career record is 28 and 26. He's two games over 500. Here's the rub. With the Eagles, he's 21 and 11. And everywhere else, he's bupkis. He's poop. You look at Jeff Hostetler. Hostetler played in 152 games. He's 51 and 32 in 83 career starts. He's almost 20 games over 500 as a starter, where Foles is about a 500 player. So I'll put you on the spot. You got to pick one right now. Who's the best backup ever? I don't mind giving it to Foles. He won a Super Bowl, and so did Hosteller. But Foles has excelled in the backup role. He's essentially never really he's been a 500 player as a starter, but his backup moments have been bigger. Okay. I mean, Hosteller, hell of a debate. It's a good one. That guy who tweeted in, he said, you know, by the way, Hostetler went to West Virginia, and I've eaten at Hostetler's Bagels before. Wow. Nice place. Nice cup of coffee there. Sal Pal Friday coming up next.